Hello, dear friends. You're welcome to a new episode on this English podcast. Today is Wednesday, September 28th, 2022, and this is your regular host coming to you from our studios in Shanghai, China. It's a pleasure to be with you once again, and today's episode is going to be episode number 188. And today's episode is going to be a continuation of the series that we started recently, and this series is focusing on discussing common IELTS questions. This is a popular exam that many students,、uh, students planning to further their studies abroad, they have to take this exam. So. Um, I think this is about the second time we are having a complete series focused on discussing IELTS questions. So,、uh, but for those who are not preparing for IELTS, you may still find these questions very, very interesting, very useful because、um, it's a good way to practice your English. In fact, IELTS, which is the International English Language Testing System. Is IELTS is just a standardized test to prove your English proficiency level. So whether you are preparing for the test or not, whether you are a student planning to study abroad or not, this can still be very useful for you.、Um, in every aspect of life, could be job, career development. Sometimes you are required to. Prove that the quality of your English is good enough for you to function in an English-speaking environment and communicate with English speakers without problems. So, with that, we are going to、uh, dive into the content of today's episode. Today's episode, we're going to look at part three: speaking questions. We have already discussed、um, examples of part one speaking questions and、uh, examples of part two speaking questions. So, in today's episode, we will look at the kind of questions that are usually asked in part three speaking. And part three speaking has something、um, something particular. That thing is the fact that. The questions are usually connected to the topic in part two. So, what do you talk about in part two? What do you describe in part two?、Uh, you will have to continue in the same line to discuss with the examiner、uh, in part three. So, part three you can say is a kind of follow-up. It's a kind of follow-up on part two topic. Since in part two topic you have to speak, like、uh, you just have to make like a short speech. You have to speak alone. It's not like a conversation. So in part three now the, the examiner will try to、uh, to ask you some questions that are related to the topic in part two,、um, and the, the the answers to the questions in part three. Are usually a little bit different in the sense that you are expected to analyze. You are expected to analyze 
um, the questions. You're expected to express your opinion about certain things. So your answer could be as long as one minute. Yeah. Remember when we were discussing part one questions, we said the answer shouldn't be too long. The answer should be something like 20 to 30 seconds, right? And in part one, we said you may answer about eight to 10 questions, about eight to 10 questions. And each answer would be about 20 to 30 seconds long. So the whole of part one speaking takes you about five minutes. Now, in part three, it's about five minutes too. It's about five minutes, more or less about five minutes. But the difference is that the questions are fewer. You may have about five questions. You may have about five questions. So um, your answers could be a little longer, maybe 60 seconds. If you answer 60 seconds and you have about uh, five questions, you see that we are talking about five minutes. So that's the whole structure you should think about. Um, in terms of time, you know that part one is going to be more or less about five minutes. Part three speaking will be more or less five minutes. And it's in part two that the time is shorter because it's just one topic for you to talk about. So part two usually is about three to four minutes. And so the entire speaking test is about 13 to 15 minutes, not more than 15 minutes usually, and usually at least 11 minutes. So if you have this time structure in your head, you can have an idea of how your answers, how long your answers should be. So. That's a general introduction of how part three questions um, should be. And uh, in part three, like I said, you want to you want to be more elaborate on your answers. You want to, to you want to give reasons for something. You want to give advantages and disadvantages of something. You want to. You want to say why something is very popular and you want to explain uh, the consequences of something. You want to give examples to show that something is true. You want to uh, say why you dislike something so much or why you like something so much. So uh, your answers in part three are more elaborate. And there is a typical kind of question that uh, makes many students confused many of my students have expressed their worry about how to answer this kind of question there's a kind of question whereby the examiner asks you to express your opinion about something usually the kind of question is asked in this way what's your opinion about something what's your opinion about something and a lot of students don't know exactly what to say in this kind of question and and the reason is because there are different kinds of opinions you can say about something it's it's a little bit vague so you have to know what it means to express your opinion about something your opinion about something could be that you like that thing but you see that if you just say my opinion about it is that I like it 
your answer will be kind of too short right and if you just say my opinion about it is that it's a it's a good thing that will still be considered um, too short an answer so it's important to to know other things that you can say when you are asked to express your opinions about something so what are the other kinds of things that you can discuss when you want to give your opinion about something and I usually ask my students to make a short list of this kind of things so sometimes to express your opinion about something you give the advantages and disadvantages this can be as long as one minute so when you are asked to say your opinion about something you can say well it has a good side and it has a bad side and then you go ahead to give maybe one advantage and explain and then give one disadvantage and explain so that's another way to express your opinion about something you can express your opinion about something by giving the consequences of that thing that thing probably it is the kind of problem we have in the society so what are the results of having that problem maybe this problem is what uh, unemployment for example maybe there is a high rate of unemployment in the society now what is your opinion about this thing unemployment you can say well because of unemployment there are many consequences for example youths who cannot find jobs most of them tend to become criminals they get involved in violence in crimes some of them they get addicted to things like drugs and alcohol so these are the consequences and it is your opinion it's still your opinion this is what you think unemployment can lead to so that's one way again to express your opinion about something by talking about the consequences of that thing and another way to express your opinion about something you, you can talk about the causes of that thing what are the causes why do we even have this kind of situation why do we have this kind of situation and if you are able to find the causes of that thing it's a very it's really an easy way to to say what do you think about something uh, like the example of unemployment that I use you can say well the causes of unemployment are many for example uh, students are studying things in the university that are not really job oriented maybe students are studying uh, subjects that are obsolete meaning that they are no longer useful they are not in demand in the job market and you think that students this is the reason why we have many many university graduates who cannot find jobs see so you can talk about the causes that's another way to express your opinion about something and if you can talk about causes you can talk about consequences it means there's another thing you can say you can probably suggest solutions to a problem your opinion could be that you have some suggestions suggestions that could serve as solutions to a certain problem so taking the example of unemployment again you can say one of the reasons why we have a high unemployment rate is because university students don't have the skills that employers are looking for so in order to solve this problem my opinion is that 
university education should be made more career oriented. Students should study in the university skills that can actually help them um, at, uh, at work, skills that can help them find a job, uh, skills that are in demand in the job market. So you see, in this case, you are suggesting a kind of solution. You're, you're saying this could help the situation. So these are different ways of expressing your opinion on something. And if you have this guide in mind, each time you are asked to express your opinion about something, you just do a quick run. Should I talk about causes? Should I talk about advantages and disadvantages? Should I talk about consequences? Should I suggest some solutions? If you do this quick scan, and you can easily find that for some topics, it's easier to talk about causes. For some topics, it's easier to talk about consequences. For some topics, it's easier to talk about uh, solutions and so on. So it, depending on the question, you decide what to talk about. I'm not saying that for each question, you should talk about causes, advantages and disadvantages, and uh, consequences and solutions, because you don't have the time. You don't have enough time to elaborate in that way. So, and, and sometimes the examiner will actually be specific in the question. Sometimes, instead of saying, what's your opinion about this, they will just ask you, what do you think can be done to solve this problem? That means they're, they're asking you to talk about solutions. And sometimes they will ask you, why do you think this, this problem is very popular in the society today? It means they're asking you for the origin, the causes, right? So, if, and then sometimes they ask you, do you think this thing is good or it's bad? means they want you to look at advantages and disadvantages so this is a general approach that can help you tackle bad three speaking topics and with that said we'll get into the second part of this episode and uh, as I promised we are going to discuss some actual questions and these questions are going to be uh, related to the part two topic that we discussed last time. In the previous episode, we discussed two part two topics. We talked about there was a description, a descriptive topic to describe the school campus, the environment, uh, the buildings, and so on. They're describing the school campus. That was one of the part two topics that we discussed in the last episode. And then there was a second topic that we, we, we were describing a school activity. A school activity is something like a club activity, you know, the kind of thing that you do at school, sometimes after school, after classes, in the afternoon, so students have to stay back at school and practice something. Could be dancing, could be music, could be drama, could be uh, an English speech, uh, speech competition, um, could be art. You know, there are lots and lots of activities that uh, take place at school apart from uh, classroom study. So our topic, our second topic that we discussed in the last episode was to, to, to talk about 
to describe this kind of school activity. So our three topics, the questions I'm going to discuss are going to be related to those topics that we discussed in part two last time. So with that said, here we go. Topic one. What's your opinion about school activities? Well, my opinion about school activities is that they are very useful for the future of a student. I personally think that a student needs to be involved in as many school activities as possible because uh, many of these school activities teach students certain skills that they don't learn in the classroom in um, the subjects that they study. For example, a student who is involved in an, a school activity like um, the English club, they can learn public speaking, they can learn how to debate, they can learn how to ask and give directions in English. They can actually practice uh, English drama. So this is something that they may not necessarily learn in the class. But if they learn this in the club activity, it could actually help them in the future, like when they are looking for a job. Question two. Do you think there should be compulsory or optional school activities? Do you think school activities should be compulsory or optional? Well, uh, I don't really think they should be compulsory because some students think studies, studying the traditional subjects um, is more important. So in my opinion, they, they should not be compulsory, they should be optional. But I still think students should be encouraged. Students should be um, they should be given the necessary motivation to be involved in school activities. So they shouldn't be compulsory. Students should not be forced to 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 join these school activities because uh, a school activity is like a hobby, and a hobby is something that you like to do. If you are forced to do it if it is like a rule that you must do it it will probably kill the fun that you're supposed to have in from that activity so I believe that school uh, students should choose to be involved in school activities it should be something that comes from the heart it should be something they choose to do because this is like something extra but I think students should be, if, if the school can motivate students to join these club activities, it will be a good thing. And one way to motivate them will be to give prizes to students who do well in school activities. Right, uh, question number three. What do you think can be done to improve the quality of life on the school campus? Well, um, to improve the quality of life on school campus, 
I think the first thing is to see see what kind of things students complain about. The kind of things most students complain about, especially boarding school students, students who live at school, the things they complain about are like uh, the, the quality of food that is served to them, um, life in the dormitory, maybe uh, the beds are not comfortable enough, the shower is not comfortable enough, maybe they have to share, maybe too many students have to share the facilities in the dormitory, so um, maybe the classrooms are not comfortable enough, classrooms maybe don't have the kind of things that students want, maybe they don't have good air conditioning, and uh, toilets don't have warm water, so these are some of the things that students usually complain about. So. If that is the case, then to improve the quality of life on the school campus, um, the school administration should be trying to look into this complaint, provide 24 hours uh, warm water, make sure there is good air conditioning, and that the food is uh, the food is tasty and it's a variety of food to students can choose from, and if all these things are complaints are looked into, students will find life more convenient and comfortable at school. Question number four. Do you think it is better for a student to be, no, do you think it is better for a school to be located downtown in the city or far away in the suburbs, in the countryside? Let me repeat that question again. Do you think it is better for a school to be located downtown in the city or far away in the countryside? Well, this is really um, a hard choice to make because uh, I think it depends. It depends on the, it depends on certain things. And both options have advantages and disadvantages. Students who live downtown in the city, of course, will prefer to go to school downtown because it's closer to them, it's closer to, to where they live. Meanwhile, students who live in the countryside will obviously prefer to go to school in the countryside because it's closer to them and they are familiar with that environment in the countryside. But objectively, judging, we can say that the countryside provides a more suitable environment for students to study. The environment in the countryside is quieter than the environment in the city. In the city, you have noise pollution, you have the quality of air is not usually so good. There is more air pollution, there is noise pollution, and usually the campus the school campus downtown in the city is usually smaller. It's smaller because it's, it's more expensive to obtain uh, much land in the city. But in the countryside, you have a bigger campus and that means uh, a more natural environment. Maybe you can have a small park, you can have more trees, you can have uh, more fresh air and that is more suitable for students to study. So uh, objectively speaking, 
it would be better to have school campuses located away from the city so that students can study in a quiet environment. But the reality is students want to go to a school that is closer to home. So if they are located downtown, of course, they want to go to schools in the city. If they are located in the countryside, they want to go to schools in the countryside. That's my opinion. Question number five. Should teachers be allowed to punish students who disrespect rules? Oh. That's a big question. Should teachers be allowed to punish students who disrespect rules? I can look at this question from two perspectives. Um, as a student, I would say, well, uh, we don't want to be punished. As a student, I don't want to be punished. If I disrespect a rule, it's probably because I was ignorant or it was a mistake. It was just a one-time mistake. And if I am punished, I will develop a negative feeling about my studies, I will develop a negative feeling about the school, and I will develop a negative feeling about the teacher who has punished me. So from the perspective, from the point of view of a student, I wouldn't want that to, to be done on me. But from the perspective of a teacher, well, it is, it's probably okay to to punish students who disrespect rules because discipline is a very important part of studies. If a teacher cannot enforce discipline in the classroom, the classroom will go out of control. If a teacher cannot get students to follow rules, uh, students will go out of control and in that kind of atmosphere, students will not be able to learn. So it is important for, for a teacher to be able to discipline students. And one way to discipline students is to punish them when they disrespect rules. The question is, what kind of punishment is good? But I think that's another uh, topic. This, the important thing here is to say, uh, teachers should be allowed to punish students. That's from a teacher's point of view. But from a student's point of view, they may think punishments are bad and should not be, be, be given to them. Um, I think for the sake of discipline, it should be allowed. Some form of punishment should be allowed on students. Okay, so those are five questions. Those are five questions I have managed to improvise five answers and uh, I was trying as much as possible to make each answer uh, about one minute long. Some answers could have, maybe some answers were a little bit more than one minute long but that was the goal. I was trying to keep them as long as one minute more or less. So, but you could see that these were five questions and these five questions were all related to the topics that we discussed in part two last time. Now you also notice that in these questions, um, I had each one of them was expecting me to express my opinion. So in each of the answers, I was giving my opinion and the opinions were different. Sometimes my opinion was actually looking at something from both sides. 
that's important sometimes when you answer a question to be more to be more comprehensive to be more analytical you have to look at the question you have to give an answer from several perspectives what does that mean to give an answer from several perspectives means the way a student looks at that thing can be different that's one perspective the way a teacher looks at that thing can be different that's another perspective and the way parents look at that same issue can be different uh, let me take for example school uniform usually there's a question they ask should high school students have to wear school uniform this question the best kind of answer is as a student you can give the students perspective and then you can also say what parents think what that the parents perspective and then you can also say what teachers think so this is a good way to make your answer look very elaborate to make your answer look very comprehensive and even if you are writing an essay if you're writing an essay on such a topic, one good way to uh, approach your essay can be to look at different perspectives. When we come to, when we start discussing essay writing, we will come back to this style of looking at a particular issue from various perspectives. So with that, I think we have come to the end of our episode today. We have discussed a general approach to part three speaking and we have discussed answers to five typical questions in part three relating to what we discussed last time in part two so this is your regular host teacher d signing off and i will see you in the next episode don't forget to share the link and send in your questions and comments have a nice Wednesday. Goodbye.